0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Consumer Review Report. I'm Diane Rebecca here on WMCK.FM Internet Radio, a service of Tube City Online, Tube City Community Media, heard Sunday at 4 p.m., Tuesday at noon, and Thursday at 9 a.m. Podcasts of these shows are available on WMCK.FM slash CRR, iTunes, Google, iHeart, Spotify, and Spreaker. All right, and if you're a first-time listener, we deal with consumer issues. At times, we have reviews of certain services or products. Um, We'll talk about the facts of some products or services. And if you have any ideas on any products or services you would like to hear on the show, you can email me at consumerreviewreport at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook at consumer review report and on Twitter at CRR in McKeesports. Sports. Also, if you want to comment on anything you hear on the show, any products or services and you would like to put in your two cents as to whether you enjoyed the product or you did not or the service, uh, also You can email me at ConsumerReviewReport at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook at ConsumerReviewReport and on Twitter at CRR in McKeesport. All right, so here we are, another show. But before I get into the meat of the show, we have to talk about two recalls that are going on uh, recently, frozen shrimp supplier recalls product over salmonella concerns and potatoes and citrus fruits recalled due to possible listeria contamination. So let's uh, hear audio from viewer and ABC6 on these two recalls. So let's start with the frozen, frozen shrimp uh, supplier that uh, is um, being recalled uh let's see and also oh yeah we'll start with that the frozen shrimp supplier recalls so let's see if this music is over now ah it is all right so here we go frozen shrimp recall
1: over concerns of salmonella contamination a national shrimp supplier has issued a recall for several of its products In its announcement, Cater Export said it is taking the move with an abundance of caution, as it recalls various retail bags of frozen, cooked, peeled, and deveined shrimp. Sold in one, one-and-a-half, and, and two-pound bags, the products being recalled were distributed across the U.S. from late February to mid-May over concerns of contamination. The organism salmonella can cause serious and sometimes fatal infections, particularly in children, frail, elderly, or those with weakened immune systems. Typical reactions to a salmonella infection include fever, diarrhea, nausea, vomiting, and abdominal pain. The Food and Drug Administration says the affected brand names for the recall include Aquastar Reserve, Sensi, Fresh Market, Kirkland, Topps, Unistar, and Wellesley Farms. For a full list of products and code numbers, go to FDA.gov as customers who purchase the affected shrimp are encouraged to throw it away or return it for a refund.
0: Okay, and let's go ahead and move on to the potatoes and citrus fruits being recalled. So let's listen to that.
1: You're on your side this morning with a recall alert. The FDA announcing
2: a major recall for fresh house produce. The recall includes fresh house lemons, limes, Valencia oranges, and red bee potatoes. The FDA is saying these products could be contaminated with listeria. The produce was shipped to retailer distribution centers in North Carolina, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, and Virginia, and
1: in wholesalers in Maryland and North Carolina. So far,
0: Okay, so there you go. So be on the lookout and just be safe. All right, so this uh, I have a um, coronavirus ask the expert questions. And if you've listened to the show before, you know I take sometimes excerpts uh, from Consumer Report Magazine, and I will also see any good questions in their ask the expert section. That they have. Well, this one is actually a lead-in to what I'm going to talk about today, and uh, it's the question is what's the best way to support local restaurants during the pandemic? So here's the answer uh, from Consumer Reports. Many people use third-party food delivery services such as DoorDash, Grubhub, Postmates, and Uber Eats, but these services have come under increasing scrutiny for the delivery and service fees they levy on consumers' orders, as well as the commissions they charge the restaurants they work with. A recent lawsuit filed against these businesses alleges that they charge exorbitant fees that drive up costs for consumers and restaurants. One way to avoid service fees is to order directly from the restaurant itself, via the restaurant's own ordering website or by phone, rather than going through a third-party delivery service. That allows the restaurant to avoid paying the commission and more of your dollars will go directly to the restaurant. If you do use a third-party service, order your food to pick up because some services charge the restaurant a lower commission for pickup than for delivery, says Eli Wilson, Ph.D. and assistant professor of sociology at the University of New Mexico in Albuquerque, who studies restaurant labor. Also, consider ordering more than one meal's worth of food at a time. Tonight's dinner and tomorrow's lunch, this boosts the restaurant's revenue, and you pay only one delivery and service fee. We recommend tipping the delivery driver the same way you would a restaurant server, at least 20%. Uh, DoorDash, Grubhub, Postmates, and Uber Eats all say 100% of the tips go directly to drivers. And even if it's a pickup order, consider tipping the restaurant, too. Uber Eats offers consumers the opportunity to tip the establishment separately. All right, so that is the lead-in to what I'm going to talk about today. Um, And uh, I will focus mainly on Uber Eats, Grubhub, DoorDash, and Postmates um, when we do this show. The reason I decided to do this show is because of my own personal experience in trying to order food these past few months. I have been trying to support the restaurant by ordering through these third-party delivery apps. And unfortunately, I've been unsuccessful in getting my food delivered. How unsuccessful? Well, (laughs) I tried to get food delivered five times. Over, I guess, since March, I would say and I only had one successful delivery. Yes, one out of five deliveries actually made it to my house. Uh, Once with Uber Eats, which was not successful, and four times with Grubhub. I know you're saying, are you glutton for punishment? Why do you keep doing it if it's not successful? (laughs) I don't know, wishful thinking, maybe they had a bad day that day, I don't know. But. Uh, Grubhub was a successful delivery out of four, so I started to wonder if I was the only one having problems or is this a chronic problem with everyone? Now Uber Eats once and Grubhub twice just canceled my order right away, and I don't even know why. They don't even text you why. They just text you your order's been canceled, and then they'll, they'll refund the money. Uh, the other Grubhub unsuccessful orders, one kept changing the estimated time of arrival of the order, then decided to cancel. So I was waiting for nearly two hours before they decided to cancel. The other su- unsuccessful order, the driver called me and left a message saying the restaurant was having problems processing the order and to call back for some reason or other now the driver calls with an out-of-state area code so I didn't pick up I never pick up if I don't know who it is and I'm definitely not going to pick up if it's an out-of-state area code uh, unless it's somebody that lives out of state that I know now I never called the driver back because I just didn't want to expend the energy to try to get this order delivered I figured that's their job to expend the energy since they're getting paid for it so, a couple minutes after you left the message, I got a text saying the order was canceled. So, another unsuccessful delivery. I must say, though, that I always got refunded with no problems from both Uber Eats and Grubhub. So, that's a plus. At least I didn't have trouble getting my money back. So, I'm next. I'll be airing audio on the pros and cons of third party delivery apps. Now, <laughs> The video, the audio is coming from a video that was posted by DeVinny, And I thought it was interesting because it had some surprising stats in it. For example, what percentage of drivers admit to eating a portion or taking a bite out of a meal delivery? So to figure, find out <laughs> what percentage that is, let's go ahead and take a listen. Okay, so we're having a little bit trouble starting this. All right, here we go. In the old
2: days, if you wanted to order something to go, you had to actually get on the phone and talk to somebody on the other end of the line to place an order. I know, right? Ooh, so scary. But that all changed when the internet ushered in a new era from how we communicate to how we order our food to pretty much every aspect of our lives today. In 1999, A company called Seamless was launched to allow people to order food from restaurants over the internet. On top of that, the company also provided food delivery services for restaurants that didn't offer it. Since then, a plethora of these third-party food delivery companies have spawned all around the world. In this video, we will be focusing on just these four major players, since I reside in the US. Food delivery service is like a trend that didn't really take off until around 2013, when smartphones solidified themselves at the center of our lives, providing convenience at our fingertips. It was also during this time when people saw an increasing demand for food takeout, so a bunch of food delivery companies started popping up everywhere. Inadvertently, Netflix helped in accelerating this trend, in fact, Netflix enabled it by giving people all the more reasons to stay home and binge watch their favorite TV shows and movies while eating food delivered from a nearby restaurant. In a 2016 study conducted by Mintel, a market research company, 57% of millennials say that they have restaurant food delivered so they can watch movies and TV shows at home. And of course, we always blame the millennials for everything, right? Too much traffic, millennials no more jobs. Millennials. Got to eat healthier. Millennials. Santa is fake. Millennials. But you know what? The percentage of Gen Z who use these food delivery services are 6% higher than the millennials according to this study in 2018 by eMarketer. And judging by this graph, the number of users using food delivery services will be increasing rapidly in the coming years. All the big-name fast-food restaurants like McDonald's, Burger King, Taco Bell, Chick-fil-A, and KFC are all partnered with one or more third-party delivery companies, and for good reasons, too. McDonald's generated $21.08 billion in revenue in 2019. Of that, $4 billion in sales was driven by online delivery. That's near 19% of its total revenue in 2019. Delivery became a high priority for McDonald's CEO Steve Easterbrook who wanted to rapidly expand the franchise's partnership with Uber Eats. Franchisees on the other hand were less excited about the news as you will find out why in this video. Let's first talk about the pros when working with these third-party delivery companies. Marketing Grubhub alone had over 22 million active users in 2019. DoorDash had over 19 million active users in 2019. Because these companies have access to such a large user base, it's really easy to see how they can help drive businesses for their restaurant partners so effectively. As marketing platforms, they are a tremendous help in magnifying your online presence. Even if you don't have a webpage or a digital menu, their platforms serve as a portal where customers can acquire all these information about your business. Unlike advertising with Google Ads or Facebook Ads, promoting your restaurant business on these delivery platforms will put you directly in front of hungry customers whose exact intention for using the app is to find a place to eat. Aside from serving hungry customers in the local area, these platforms are also highly appreciated by tourists seeking new restaurants from their hotel rooms. As you can see, by listing your business on these third-party delivery platforms, You are putting yourself in front of millions of potential customers, both local and foreign. Business boost. As we've seen earlier, McDonald's saw 19% of its total revenue flowing in from its third-party delivery partners. Okay, that's great. But what about the mom-and-pop shops? Well, look no further than the subreddit for restaurant owners and the result varies between 5 to 30% in sales increase. According to the MPD Group, an American market research company, restaurants should expect a 20% increase from these delivery platforms. As more and more people utilize these services, restaurants can expect an even bigger increase in sales. Businesses can take advantage of the off-peak hours when there are less people coming into their restaurant to generate business with delivery. On the other side of the coin, when the business is picking up, food delivery allows restaurants to enjoy increased revenue without the need to expand their restaurant seating capacity. Convenience Third-party delivery platforms provide convenience for both customers and restaurant operators alike. For customers who have inconvenience with their mobility or are stranded at work, they can still enjoy great food without going to a restaurant. For restaurant operators, it saves them the need to hire an in-house delivery team that includes a dedicated driver, driver's insurance, and a company card, and also the need to host their own online ordering platform. Furthermore, even when the weather is terrible, restaurants are still able to reach customers with these third-party delivery services. Now, if you are watching this video some years into the future, We are currently in the midst of a global pandemic caused by COVID-19, also known as the coronavirus, that originated from Wuhan, China. As of March 2020, there are over 670,000 reported cases and over 30,000 deaths. Due to the severity of the situation, many cities across the United States have issued a shelter-in-place protocol urging people to stay home and to practice social distancing. Because of this, thousands of schools have been canceled, flights being grounded, and restaurants and bars shuttered. And why are we talking about this? Because thanks to these third-party food delivery companies, restaurants are still able to operate their businesses without shutting down completely. So, a big thanks to them. Alright, let's talk about the downsides of partnering with these third-party deliveries. High commission fees. The commission fees can range from 15 to 30% with the average hovering around 25%. Some restaurants have even reported to paying as high as 35% in commission fees. For those outside the restaurant industry wondering if 30% is a lot, I mean if you look at Steam, Valve charges a 30% commission rate on all games sold on Steam. For apps that are free to download but consist of in-app purchases or microtransactions, Apple takes a 30% cut for each sale so is 30% rate even a big deal well I don't know about the profit margin for the other business industries but the profit margin for the restaurant industry is razor thin with the average around five to six percent so a rate of 30% Commission fee can effectively eat into the restaurants profit when an order is placed the customer pays the delivery companies for their orders the courier or driver comes in to pick up the food and a week later the delivery companies will send the restaurant a check minus the commission fee and the commission fee does not even cover the credit card processing fee either so you still have to pay for that now you might ask why don't they just raise the price on their online menus well that's because some delivery platforms explicitly prohibit them from doing so no markup to the original prices The online prices have to reflect the actual prices on the dine-in menu. Upon shuttering, Gaslamp Cafe, located in San Francisco, plastered a sign on their window letting their customers know that the delivery platforms ultimately doomed their business. So why are the restaurant owners doing this to themselves? Because some restaurant operators do see profits coming out of these delivery orders. No matter how small of a profit that comes from these delivery orders, they still cherish it and with the hope that the customers will return to dine at their restaurants if they like the food. POS Integration One of the main issues with utilizing third-party delivery platforms is that their POS, point-of-sale systems, are not designed to receive orders from multiple third-party delivery platforms. Restaurant owners will require one tablet to run each delivery platform then enter all the orders individually into the POS system. This leads to a phenomenon called tablet hell, where there are so many tablets one has to juggle with that they look like they're running a Sprint store, resulting in order mistakes and the impediment of workflow in the restaurant. One solution is to just partner with one delivery platform and stick to it. But others might argue that you should put your business on as many platforms as possible to maximize your business exposure because different delivery platforms have different reach in different cities. Another solution is to integrate a software that's designed to streamline and integrate all third-party delivery orders into your POS system. This way, the orders from these platforms will automatically show up on your POS system. Delivery flaws. We often assume that these high-tech companies are efficient in what they do, but in reality, they are not. A lot of times, the food is made, but are just sitting there on the counter waiting to be picked up. If there's a courier nearby, you can't just ask them to deliver for you because they're not assigned to that particular order. Sometimes, the orders are never picked up because nobody accepted the request to deliver a meal that's 10 miles away from the city. It's just not worth their time. Spilled food, cold food, wrong delivery, slow delivery, no delivery, These are all bad reflections to the restaurant businesses, which they have absolutely no control over. Yet they're getting bad reviews for the same exact reasons. According to a study by Off-Premise Insights in 2018, 82% of the customers blame the restaurants for any bad experience with their online orders, and not the delivery companies. Which leads us to quality. Do you like cold soggy fries? What about a stale grilled cheese sandwich? Oh, I know! A half melted ice cream. So you can eat it as half ice cream and half milkshake, and go on to tell your friends what a genius you are. No. Convenience kills quality. Some food are just not meant to be delivered, which is why some restaurants usually have a special menu designed specifically for delivery. Even then, what if a customer gets food poison? Who's to blame then? As mentioned earlier, 82% of the customers will pin their blames on their restaurants. But just to be clear, even the delivery companies want the public to know that they don't want to be held liable for any sicknesses, and it's listed there clear as day on their terms of service. So use these delivery services at your own risk. Lack of upselling. Restaurant owners will tell you that the majority of the profit comes not from the meal itself, but from the drinks appetizers and desserts that they're able to upsell while the customers enjoy the atmosphere and experience while dining in. Your 12-pack Blue Moon Belgian White is priced at $14.99 at Target which is equivalent to $1.25 per bottle. Now all you have to do is pour in a glass, put a slice of orange on it and ta-da! You're selling it at $4, three times the original price. Now unfortunately, in many states, it is actually illegal for these third-party delivery platforms to deliver alcoholic beverages. But even if it is legal, a lot of people agree that drinking at restaurants is simply too expensive. So they will order food and pop bottles at home. Orders for desserts are also rarely placed for off-premise dining. Less tips. What happens when someone orders a takeout? They don't leave tips or on very rare occasions that they do. On the delivery platforms, users have the options to leave tips, but that tip goes to the drivers, not the restaurants. Your staffs are going to resent you for having them to work harder with less tips. So, more delivery leads to less tips, and less tips leads to more employee turnover because they're dissatisfied with the wage earned. The restaurant industry is probably famous for its high rate of employee turnover, and being that it's costly to train the employees, is it really a good idea to continue to foster this culture of off-premise dining? Which leads us to cannibalization. The number of on-premise dining is slowly being cannibalized by the number of off-premise dining. As more people resort to eating at the comfort of their home with Netflix, they're less inclined to eat out. Because why would you want to spend time and money on gas to drive to the restaurant when the food can be delivered directly to you? A 2018 survey reported by Morgan Stanley showed that nearly 50% of consumers use delivery apps to directly replace visiting the actual restaurant. As time goes on, even if your off-premise orders continue to grow, your on-premise will continue to shrink, and so will your profit since delivery has always been less profitable than your typical dine-in orders. Kitchen Backlog Off-premise orders can cause backlog in your kitchen, especially during peak hours. These delivery rushes can easily overwhelm your kitchen, causing all sorts of problems from the need to hire additional staffs to mend the delivery orders, to the struggle of finding extra space in the cramped kitchen to store the orders. can easily put these delivery services on pause but imagine you have three orders coming in from all four delivery platforms simultaneously your kitchen will be overwhelmed worse your on-premise customers will clash with your off-premise customers let's take this yelp review as an example the restaurant wasn't too busy but because the waitress was too preoccupied with the online orders she failed to take care of her in-store customer and the restaurant received a poor review because of it. There are plenty of other similar reviews where the customers are just so tired of waiting while the couriers are going in and out of the door with bags of food. And this makes the customer question, why do I bother to come out when I can stay home and order delivery instead? To fulfill both on-premise and off-premise orders, some restaurants are looking to funnel their delivery orders entirely to a new restaurant concept, called the Ghost Kitchen which we will talk about in the next video. Food Stealing. Did you know that around 30% of the delivery drivers admit to taking a bite of the food they're supposed to be delivering? In a 2019 survey conducted by US Foods, an American food service distributor, 54% of the 500 food delivery drivers surveyed admitted to being tempted by the smell of the customer's food, and 30% of the drivers confessed to eating it. Now, 30% might not sound like much, but that's like 1 in 4 people. If you search it up on YouTube, you can find a lot of these disturbing videos. This is why some restaurants now place tamper evidence stickers on the food packaging, to ensure that it's not tampered with. But only a few restaurants actually do this. Shady business practices. Oh man. There are so many lawsuits surrounding these third-party delivery companies that I'm not even sure where to start. You know the saying that money is the root of all evil? Well, I tend to disagree with that, because money can be used to do goods too. Mark Twain said it best, that the lack of money is the root of all evil. It breeds greed, and greed is what underlies most of these sketchy business practices. It might come as a surprise to you, but the majority of these third-party delivery companies are operating at a loss. So they need to find ways to appeal to their investors, ensuring them that the delivery business could turn to profit. Let's start with DoorDash's internal struggle with its own drivers. In 2019, DoorDash faced a class action lawsuit over its tipping policy. Apparently the company was subsidizing its driver's base pay with customer's tips. What this means is that DoorDash is pocketing your generous tips to pay its drivers. For example, if a driver gets paid $8 for delivery and the customer tips them $3, the driver is still getting paid $8, not $11. Here's how it works. The driver is guaranteed an $8 payment and if the customer did not tip, then DoorDash would have to pay the driver $8 total. However, if the customer tipped $3, then DoorDash only has to pay $5 to make up for the difference. Of course, this caused a lot of uproar across all the third-party delivery platforms, and DoorDash has since changed its controversial tipping policy. The tip will now be added on top of the base pay. Delivering without consent When I first learned of the complaints from restaurant owners that couriers suddenly started showing up delivering food for them without their consent, I was baffled and wondered if this practice is actually legal. Hundreds of restaurant owners have filed complaints that Grubhub, DoorDash, and Postmates have added their business to their delivery platforms without their permission, and they're left wondering if they should fulfill the orders or not. This leaves the restaurant and customers confused and frustrated and might even lead to bad online reviews. But the truth is, they have never received any order confirmation because they were never partnered with the delivery platforms. As it turned out, this wasn't just an issue small independent restaurant owners had to face. The problem had escalated to the point that in 2015, DoorDash was facing litigation from In-N-Out Burger, one of the biggest fast-food restaurants in California. In 2014, In-N-Out sent a letter to DoorDash demanding them to stop using its trademarks and delivering its products without its authorization. Because for a fast food chain that always prides itself for quality food, it's concerned about the quality of its food once it's out the door. At first, they stopped. Then the service resumed after a few months. So in 2015, In-N-Out filed a lawsuit against DoorDash. Postmates pulled a similar stunt when it was still just a new startup company back in 2011. Chipotle sent a cease and desist letter to Postmates, but Postmates ignored it and continued with the delivery. In 2018, Chipotle caved in and partnered with Postmates, DoorDash, as well as Uber Eats. Now do you want to know why these third-party delivery companies are so aggressive in adding restaurants to their platforms? I'll tell you why. Is because most of these companies have yet to turn a profit and they're trying to prove to their investors that they're continuing to expand their platforms to regain the market share. One might assume that big companies like them who are worth billions would also make billions in profit. Well, that's simply not true at all. They just have a lot of other people's money to burn. In 2018, SoftBank Group invested $535 million in DoorDash and DoorDash used it immediately to expand from 600 cities to 3,000 cities. It doesn't matter if the business is profitable or not, DoorDash is claiming lands by using these investments to expand their business. GrowPub was founded in 2004, and was one of the early pioneers in the field of third-party food delivery, and was the leader in its field. DoorDash was founded in 2013, and in just 6 short years became the leader by dominating 35% in market share, followed by Uber Eats at 25% and Grubhub at 23%. Needless to say, Grubhub's stock tanked by 39% on October 29, 2019. In a letter to investors, Grubhub emphasized that the food delivery business has always been and will continue to be a low-margin business. The main source of profit comes from advertising on their app and website. So if Grubhub, which seems to be the only delivery company making a profit, admitted that delivery is a low margin business, then what does that mean for the other companies who are still operating at a huge loss? Uber Eats lost $1.1 billion in 2019. DoorDash lost $450 million in 2019. Postmates lost $75 million in 2017. In an effort to regain market share, Grubhub spokesperson said that the company is adding non partner restaurants so we will not be at a disadvantage compared to any other food delivery platforms. On a separate instance, the company also claimed that by doing so, it's providing restaurants with more businesses and that will without hesitation remove any restaurant who reaches out to us and doesn't want to be listed on our marketplace. Aw, thanks. Postmates claims that technically it doesn't need explicit partnerships from restaurants by saying that we're a pickup service representing the customer, or a night delivery service representing the restaurant. There's a big difference. So clearly their interests are not with the restaurants. DoorDash and Postmates now valued at $13 billion and $2.4 billion respectively are plowing money into free deliveries and discounts to attract new customers further intensifying the competition. As you can see here, these are the promotions I've received from Postmates within just two weeks. So now they're off to a race to add as many restaurants as they can to their platforms. Even if the restaurants did not sign up to be part of their listings. Because for too long now, they've been living largely off of investors' money. And now the investors are seriously questioning about the profitability of this industry. Price inflation so far we've learned that delivery drivers and restaurant partners have both been screwed by these third-party delivery companies hmm let's see who else can get screwed over oh how about the general consumers some customers are shocked to see that they're being charged more for ordering online for example in 2015 the owner of the Lila steaks suddenly noticed there were orders coming in from DoorDash with whom he did not partner with. When he went to DoorDash's website, he was surprised to see that the price for his classic cheesesteak was listed at $16, while he normally sells it at $11 in store. This could cause some unwanted friction between the restaurant and the customers, as this misunderstanding can lead to confusion and the perceived greed for the restaurant business. Grubhub faced a similar backlash from customers when the company was slapped with a lawsuit back in 2009 for setting some restaurant's menu prices higher than the prices offered in store. Restaurant owners were livid because not only were they unaware of such price inflation, they didn't even get a cut of the profits. Now it is possible that some restaurants raised the prices on their digital menus intentionally to compensate for the high delivery fees. But as mentioned earlier, companies like Uber Eats strictly prohibit any markups. Some restaurant owners do it anyway so they won't get cannibalized by their online orders. Even though these third-party food delivery companies have been around for a while, the delivery business is still very much in its early stages. I think eventually these delivery companies will become more flexible with the pricing for online orders and allow restaurants to name higher prices on these platforms because based on the current business model, nobody is winning. Both the restaurants and the delivery companies are bleeding profits. Something's got to give, and it will be the customers who will pay. If they want the luxury of having their food delivered to the comfort of their home, they should also pay a premium for that convenience. Grubhub domain fiasco. As we enter the second decade of the 21st century, it's becoming increasingly important to have an online presence. Whether we like it or not, having a digital entity is very crucial for a business success and brand awareness. Imagine a tourist coming into your city and looking up the web to search for a place to eat. The first thing they do before visiting your establishment is probably to look through your menu, so you will need to have a digital menu. Let's take this seafood restaurant for example, The City Fish. Here, you can see that the restaurant's main webpage is all the way down there on the fourth and fifth search result. And if you look to the right side on the Google Knowledge panel, you can see that Grubhub Seamless, and DoorDash are all vying for attention to acquire this restaurant's business with their delivery services. Let's take a look at another example. Swad Indian Cuisine. Not bad. This Facebook pages showed up on the third and fourth search result. But there's just one problem here. Its official restaurant homepage doesn't show up until the third page on Google search result. And before that, it was bombarded by Grubhub DoorDash, Postmates, and Uber Eats. Imagine if this restaurant doesn't have a Facebook page and has its own in-house delivery team. People wouldn't know that. They would just click on the delivery platform they're familiar with, and that's a 30% cut into your revenue. Now if you notice, the first web link to both of these restaurants point to our website called Menupages.com. Menupages was acquired by food delivery company Seamless in 2011. And Seamless was acquired in 2013 by, you guessed it, Grubhub. Clicking on delivery will allow your orders to be fulfilled by Grubhub with a 15 to 30% commission fee. Now do you see why it's important to have a solid online presence? These delivery companies are constantly looking for ways to insert themselves into your business. Now let's say you've had enough being pushed around by these big companies. And you never got around to making a website for your restaurant business, so you decided that today is the day to take that step before you disappear into the internet forever. Well, guess what? You're probably going to have a hard time registering a domain name for your website. In 2019, Grubhub was accused of cybersquatting by buying up more than 23,000 domain names for the restaurants listed on its platforms these fake websites were created to direct traffic away from the official sites in an effort to siphon their business toward Grubhub. What's worse is that Grubhub bought these micro sites or shadow pages without their restaurant partner's consent. Let's pretend that I have a restaurant called Taco San Jose because I live in San Jose and I want to name my website TacosanJose.com Well, apparently I can't do that because somebody already claimed it. Hmm, I wonder who? Well, what about the TacosanJose.com? It says it's already taken. TacosanJoseCalifornia.com? Nope. Are you serious? In some cases, Grubhub purchased three to four different domain names that consist of some version of the restaurant's name. Let's take a look at some real life examples. This is the official site for Molly Hatchet's sub shop located at Daytona Beach, Florida. And this is the microsite created by Grubhub. If you click order now, it will take you straight to Grubhub's own webpage. Now it's worth noting that Molly Hatchet's has no affiliation with Grubhub whatsoever. So the reason for Grubhub to establish a microsite is so that it could charge the restaurant a commission fee when someone orders from Grubhub's microsite. Here's another example. This is the official website for Happy Kitchen, located at Winthrop, Massachusetts. And this is the microsite created by Grubhub. There is actually a list of domain names Grubhub purchased that you can find online. Now, is it legal that Grubhub is squatting on these domain names? According to Grubhub's terms of service, it is actually perfectly legal for them to do that. But in general, cybersquatting is illegal, at least in the US, when your intent is to profit from somebody else's trademark. And lastly, Grubhub yelp call charges lawsuit. Yelp is an online business directory. E24, an online food ordering startup, was bought by Yelp back in 2015. In 2017, Grubhub acquired E24 from Yelp. So the two form a very special relationship. Normally, when you search a business up on Yelp to place a call, there's only one phone number. Now, when you press call, two options will show up. You can either place a call to order delivery or takeout, or you can make a call for general questions. That's strange. Is there a difference between the two? As it turns out, there is. The number listed for delivery or takeout as a customized number that Grubhub uses to keep track of the number of incoming calls. The number listed for general questions leads you directly to the restaurant's business number. Even though both numbers are routed to the same restaurant, the number used by Grubhub allows it to charge business owners a referral fee, between 15 to 20% of the total order. In 2019, a class action lawsuit was brought against Grubhub for billing restaurants for the calls without their knowledge. Even if the phone calls did not result in any orders and were common questions and concerns, the businesses were still billed accordingly. According to Tiffin, an Indian restaurant chain in Philadelphia, its restaurants were being charged up to $9 per call, even if there were not orders. So the next time you call in for any questions or to place a delivery, use the number that doesn't say, powered by Grubhub. Seriously, this company is so shady environmental impact food delivery is on the rise and so is the mountain of trash that comes with all the packaging remember those days when most restaurants used styrofoams to store food and they gradually shifted away to using the more expensive but recyclable plastic containers question when was the last time you actually took the time to wash and recycle those oily containers probably not very often what about the Starbucks cups that store your iced salted caramel mocha or the plastic lid that comes with your favorite hot caramel macchiato? I'm willing to bet that most of these cups will end up in the landfill, because even if you toss it in the recycle bin, it has to be cleaned before it can be recycled. And then there are those plastic cutteries that you get from takeout, which you will then shove into your drawer thinking that it will be used someday. The World Economic Forum estimates that people throw away 40 billion plastic utensils every year in the U.S. alone, and 120 billion pieces in India annually. 79% of the world's plastic are not recycled, harming wildlife and clogging infrastructures. But all is not lost because in 2019, Uber Eats stepped up their efforts to reduce plastic waste by adopting a utensil opt-in policy globally. So now, you have to personally request for straws, utensils, and other miscellaneous items when placing your orders. So good job, Uber Eats. And the last con on our list is... Lack of loyalty. And I'm not even talking about customer loyalty for the restaurant businesses. I'm referring to the fact that there's no customer loyalty within these third-party delivery platforms. Most users hop from one platform to another looking for free delivery and other promotional deals. In 2017, Grubhub reported that 88% of its users didn't use any other services. But that number fell to 59% two years later as competition rises. In a letter to shareholders, Grubhub's CEO said, We believe online diners are becoming more promiscuous. For years, we saw in our data that Grubhub Diner was extremely loyal to our platform. However, our new diners are increasingly coming to us, already having ordered on a competing online platform. And our existing diners are increasingly ordering from multiple platforms. So, if you're a restaurant owner who hasn't partnered with a third-party delivery company yet, will you be considering partnering with one to boost your business revenue? In the beginning, these delivery services offered a convenient way for restaurants to offer takeout. But as the dining culture shifted so drastically to off-premise dining, it's probably going to hurt the restaurant businesses in the long run due to the high commission rate. There are two camps of business operators. There are those who embrace the future trend of dining and shift their business toward off-premise dining. And then there are those who fear their business is going to get cannibalized if they go down that path and the hassle to work with delivery companies doesn't warrant that little extra profit leave a comment below and I will see you in the next video. Bye.
0: All right, so that is very eye-opening and I think uh, from here on in I'll just deal with the restaurants because ah, all those stats were a little bit eye-opening as far as, you know, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes when you just want your food delivered You don't understand all this other stuff that's going on. And it just seems like the restaurants are just getting the short end of the stick. Especially when the DoorDash or whoever just, they don't even sign on, the restaurants don't even sign on these uh, third-party deliveries and yet the the third-party deliveries are delivering from these restaurants and the restaurants seem like they can't do anything about it without hurting themselves so wow that is really eye opening But, anyways I have some stats of my own so I went on influencer.com which um, was in existence since 2010 and trustpilot.com which was in existence from 2007, and they have some reviews. But the thing is that there is such a big gap between how they were rated on Influencer and Trustpilot, and I'm not even sure how that happened. Um, I know Influencer has less, a uh, uh, much less reviews um, per delivery app than Trustpilot, so. I'll just let you uh, try to understand what I'm saying here. Influencer, okay, so let's start with DoorDash. Influencer.com had 4.3 stars out of 130 reviews for DoorDash. And that's pretty good. But Trustpilot.com, they had 4,296 reviews. And that was rated 1.2 star, which is rated bad. According to Trustpilot, you see how different that is. You have good reviews on Influencer for these delivery apps, but Trustpilot, who has <clears throat> way more reviews written, has a has generally uh, been bad ratings for these delivery apps. Now, I went to the Better Business Bureau and the customer complaints summary. DoorDash has 2,550 total complaints in the last three years. So let's go to Grubhub. Influencer.com, 4.0 stars out of 2,697 reviews. That's not too bad, but Trustpilot had 9,160 reviews, and they give the... Uh, rating 1.9 stars which is a poor rating which is poor is better than bad and actually Grubhub did the best with Trustpilot but DoorDash did the best with Influenster. Now as far as Grubhub is concerned and the Better Business Bureau they also did pretty well uh, at 841 total complaints in the last three years. Well, compared to 2,550, 841 isn't all that bad. All right, let's take a look at Postmates. Uh, Influencer rated them 4.0 stars out of 2,595 reviews. <coughs> um, and Trustpilot, out of 1,734 reviews, 1.1 1. 1 star, which is a bad rating. And so I can't understand this difference of ratings like why is it way up in the fours on influencer but way in the ones for trustpilot i i couldn't figure that out i tried to look it look at it but i, I couldn't i couldn't understand it i thought well maybe you know trustpilot was a lot uh, around a lot more than influencer but not really they were only around 3 years before influencer so this is a puzzle But anyways, for Postmates, uh, Better Business Bureau customer complaints summary, 1,940 total complaints in the last three years. All right. So Uber Eats, Uh, Influencer.com rated them 3.0. They actually did the worst as far as Influencer.com is concerned. That was out of 418 reviews and then trustpilot.com out of 13,952 reviews 1.1 star bad that's 13,952 reviews that is a lot of reviews and to still not get over 1.1 star so i if anybody knows why there would be such a big difference between influencer and trustpilot please let me know. You can get in touch with me, email uh, consumerreviewreport at gmail.com. Now, as far as the Better Business Bureau Customer Complaint Summary for Uber Eats, because Uber Technologies offers a lot of different services, like food delivery and passenger rides, Under the Better Business Bureau, it's under one umbrella of Uber technology. So I could not get stats on just Uber Eats. Because the complaints, if there were any, (coughs) were on all their different services. Not only the food delivery, but the passenger rides. So they are lumped in one big pile. And I can't tell you what just Uber Eats, how they fared. And I'm still puzzled, though, by the disparity uh, between Influencer Reviews and Trustpilot. But I think I would go with Trustpilot because it seems like they have the most reviews. I mean, uh, they have, like, thousands of reviews where, in some cases, Influencer only had, like, hundreds of reviews, uh, let's see, well, maybe that's not even true. Yeah, I guess so. Uber Eats was 418 reviews, and <coughs> uh, DoorDash had only had 130 reviews, so if I had more time, I would try to figure out why there's such a big difference between Influencer Reviews and Trustpilot, but there you go. It's a, this was an eye-opening episode on uh, Grubhub and all those third-party delivery <sighs> apps. You know, you don't know what you're dealing with. You just want the convenience, but you don't know what's going on behind the scenes for sure. All right. So if you have any comments or questions on what you just heard, um, <clears throat> you can email me at consumerreviewreport@gmail.com. at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook at Consumer Review Report, and on Twitter at CRR in Mickey Sports. Also, if you have any ideas of any products or services you would like to hear about on the show, you can also email me at Consumer Review Report at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook at Consumer Review Report, which, by the way, I do post recent recalls and any scam alerts. You can go to my Facebook page at Consumer Review Report. I'm also on Twitter at CRR in McKeesport. So this is the Consumer Review Report on WMCK.FM, Internet Radio, a service of Tube City Online, Tube City Community Media, Heard Sunday at 4 p.m., Tuesday at noon, and Thursday at 9 a.m. I'm Diane Rebecca wishing everyone a safe and... Good week.